0: Canada has recently passed a unanimous conversion therapy law, and you might be thinking, well, that could be heading to the United States soon. Don't worry. It's already here. We'll talk about the parental rights implications and the medical rights of conscience implications surrounding that, and Palmetto Family is heading back to Washington, D.C. All of that and more on today's edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Justin Hall, Dave Wilson. Mitch Prosser here with you. I have it pulled up from the New York Times, folks. The bill was passed through unanimous consent motion by the House of Commons in Canada on December 1 and the Senate on December 7 after conservatives who had opposed previous legislation embraced this new law. And on December 8th, it was given royal assent, a procedural stamp that started a 30-day clock that takes effect now. Canada has passed a conversion therapy law that is punishable by jail time. So
1: you feel like, okay, this is the, to to continue the analogy, this is the Arctic blast coming from Canada. As a matter of fact, no, the snowbirds from Florida actually kind of cropped this up here during the summer. You'll recall we had a conversation back in the summer when the city of Columbia was trying to pass an ordinance that basically said you cannot present a biblical worldview to a minor whose parents had brought them in for counseling for issues of sexual orientation and gender identity. It was almost an exact mirror of a law that was passed in Boca Raton, Florida, down in Palm Beach County, that actually was stayed by the 11th Circuit Court down there. And yet, even with all of that
2: there, the city of Columbia pushed it on through. Basically, what this ordinance says is that we, as the government, in this case, City of Columbia or the entire country of Canada, our government knows how to parent children better than you do. Because really what this is all about is parental rights and making sure that you do what's best for your children. Let's give a, for instance, let's say one morning, Johnny comes to you, your little boy, and he says, today, I feel like Susie. Or vice versa, and Susie comes to you and says, I feel like Johnny, and they're suffering from classic gender dysphoria, a psychological clinical disorder. Instead of taking them to a Christian counselor who would teach them that God made them male and female and created them in his image, according to Genesis, what the government is saying is that is illegal. A Christian psychologist, possibly even eventually pastors, licensed therapists in the city of Columbia, or in Boca Raton, Florida, or in Canada, are telling you, you don't know how to parent your children,
0: we do. Ladies and gentlemen, that's dangerous. Well, conversion therapy here in the bill, in the law, I should say, is a means or a means... Practice, treatment, or service designed to A. Change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual. Change a person's gender identity to cisgender. I don't know. Change a person's gender expression so that it conforms to the sex assigned at birth. Repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior or cisgender identity. Or repress or reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform to the sex assigned to the person at birth. This... If you are found uh, – if you knowingly cause another person to undergo conversion therapy, including by providing conversion therapy to that person, you are, quote, guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of not more than five years or guilty of an offense punishable on summary conviction. So not only – now, in city of Columbia, it was a fine. Right, so $500 fine. $500 fine. In Canada, you can go to jail. You can go to jail – for simply not quote-unquote affirming the gender identity of the individual. Now, what are the more broader understandings of this? Because one, this is a ridiculous bill. This is a ridiculous law, first of all, number one. Number two, this, Mitch, you mentioned parental rights, but this goes into the whole debate that's actually happening, Dave, at the Statehouse right now with medical rights of conscience. We talked about this last week in our press conference, the importance and the necessity for this bill in light of what the city of columbia did last summer. right
1: so what they're trying to do with the medical rights of conscience bill is to actually protect the rights of medical and and counseling professionals to make decisions based upon their rights of conscience. it is not to turn around and say that if somebody comes in and and you're having they've had an injury and they're in the emergency room that you can say i don't know if i want to treat that person it's it's more of what type of treatments are going to be done and are you going to be forced to do certain types of treatment that go against your own conscience. And in this particular case, it would be doing affirmational therapy, basically telling a young person, a minor, who was brought in by his or her parents that you can't talk with them about what a biblical worldview is of manhood and womanhood. Let's go back and, and, and you know, here's, here's your lesson again. Let's go back to the Constitution real quick. Verbatim, what does it say in amendment number one of the Bill of Rights of the Constitution of the United States? Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of peaceably for people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. It specifically states they can't prohibit a free exercise of religion or abridge your speech. I don't know about you, but if a Christian counselor wants to be able to talk about something from a biblical worldview and speak about it, seems to me that's protected in the First Amendment.
0: And that of course, that applies here in the United States. It does not apply to this can, uh, Canadian law. Now, what the big issue with that is what I read at the beginning, that the conservatives in Canada have fully embraced this law. It passed by unanimous consent. Mm. That's one thing. Canada is among the latest countries, according to this New York Times piece, to ban conversion therapy. The French parliament voted on December 14th to ban the practice. At least a dozen countries have also adopted some for, form of legislative protection against it, including... India, Ecuador, Germany, and Malta. In the United States, 20 states and Washington, D.C., have passed laws banning conversion therapy. And that is according to a group that seeks to outlaw the practice of conversion therapy. This is more than parental rights. This is more than uh, medical rights of conscience. This is simply just going back to a basic biblical worldview. And it goes a little bit further the medical rights of conscience debate that has begun to sprung up in the subcommittee. Actually, there was a there was an interesting exchange in the subcommittee. Uh, Senator Josh Kimbrell of Spartanburg, the original sponsor of the legislation, was answering some questions. And, and here's a response to a question from uh, Senator Brad Hutto that I believe encapsulates what the point of the bill is, what the point of this would be, and how it goes in response to, amongst other things, the city of Columbia's conversion therapy ban. Senator from Orangeburg.
2: Can I ask you a question on that point? Yes, sir. If I articulate to you that I have a moral belief, why aren't you doing this, because I'm morally opposed, that's good enough, isn't it?
3: Well, I, I, you're talking about opening up a private cause of action here, being able to defend yourself. You, you can't just make an assertion, I don't feel like doing this. That's why it specifically it's talking about religious, moral, ethical beliefs. I know, you, if I
2: what? the reason i morally
3: opposed. Yeah, there would have to be a basis for that, though. And, and Senator, you know, because you've dealt with litigation, and co- much more complicated litigation than I ever have, you've got to make, a, a, even in civil court, a case here. You've got to make a, a logical basis. You can't say, you can't have spent your entire life, let's just take a religious example. You, you can't have spent your... I did say religious, I said moral. I understand, but there's a, there's a connection. I'm just using this as an example. Let's say that, that I was a doctor, And all my entire life, I've never even darkened the door of a Roman Catholic church, okay? And then I decide one morning that I'm going to be ordered to perform a procedure I don't want to perform. And I say, because of my Catholic beliefs, I don't want to perform this procedure. Well, that's that's ludicrous. right? You, I, there's no body of evidence in my life or my my professed statement of beliefs or it, it, it would hold up in a court case in that sense. So this is not so open-ended as to be a case-by-case basis that you feel like in that moment you shouldn't do something. It's got to be consistent with your life practice, the beliefs that you have uh, lived your life according to, and you're going to have to be able to defend that in court. I mean, this isn't carte blanche to say that you are going to ignore every law on the books. Uh, for example, Senator, I've heard people say that this basically could open it up to where people deny treatment on the basis of race or ethnicity or gender. Well, that's, that's ludicrous. This bill doesn't do that. It doesn't suspend the US Civil Rights Code. It doesn't preempt 1964 Civil Rights Act. So I, I think it's, it's a very narrow pathway of saying if you have a deeply held belief that you've lived your life according to, you've uh, practiced according to, and you can demonstrate that you would be protected.
0: That's Senator Josh Kimbrell again because the big thing coming since the start of the session, Dave, to your point, is that instead of looking at what the bill does, we immediately look at what could possibly, from the media standpoint, of who it's against and who is set to be divided against, so to speak, who is set to be segregated because of the passage of the bill. And I believe the senator did a good job of explaining that this bill does not preempt the Civil Rights Act. No. As a matter of fact, if you
1: listen back to the entire uh, discussion that went on, and a lot of it was between Senator Kimbrell out of Spartanburg and Senator Hutto out of Orangeburg, you begin to recognize Senator Hutto's style, especially when he does not want a piece of legislation to happen, is death by a thousand cuts. And this was death by a thousand questions. It was, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about and and you can what about yourself to death on a bill? And, and the reality on this front, folks, as you think about the process that this goes through, I'm going to be very frank as a dad with teenagers, it's kind of like when your teenager keeps asking you, well, what about this? Well, what, what, what if I do this? Well, the letter you said this, and now you're saying that. Or the kids, the, the, the little kids who always says, why? 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 Mm-hmm. And it becomes this endless loop because what's he trying to do? He's trying to wear down this bill because he
0: does not want it passed. And there's the reality with that. When it comes to this issue of medical rights of conscience, when it comes to parental rights, and when we look back to what has been passed in Canada as a national law in Canada, I'm not saying it's going to become a national law in the United States of America. I will not pretend to prophesy to that angle. What I will say is medical rights of conscience and parental rights are going to become forefront issues as we move toward elections in November. As we move ahead to the weekend, we will not have a Friday podcast, and that is because Palmetto Family will be on the ground in Washington, D.C. yet again, this time for the March for Life. Friday at noon, the rally will begin at the National Mall, and then the march will take place at 1 o'clock, marching to the steps of the Supreme Court. Just as a, as a quick note, one of the key speakers uh, at the March for Life rally will be uh, You might know him from Growing Pains. Kirk Cameron will be speaking there. Uh, It'll be an exciting time. You can make sure to follow us on social media because we'll be going live throughout the day to keep you updated on this. We just had the Proudly Pro-Life March here in South Carolina at the Capitol here in Columbia. Uh, So we're excited to be up in Washington, D.C. for that March for Life this weekend. And finally today, I want to take a moment of personal
1: privilege, as our friends in the center would say, uh, and we we send our condolences to our chairman of the board, Tony Beam, and his wife, Denise, and the passing of Denise's mother, uh, Mrs. Doris ballou Boiter. She passed away on the 17th at the age of 90, a great follower of Jesus, uh, who had... Um, suffered as, as the years had gone along, and now the age of 90 is face-to-face with Jesus. And we are very grateful for her life, but we do want to be praying for Tony and for Denise and for their family. Uh, so just please be in prayer for them uh, as you go into this weekend.
0: Thank you for listening to us on the Tuesday edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Make sure to download the Palmetto Family Council app and follow us on social media. As you'll see, we have some exciting things coming up in the month of February that you're going to want to be made aware of, as America's historian David Barton is going to be crisscrossing the state. You can find all that information by subscribing to our email newsletter and going to palmettofamily.org, and of course, our social media channels as well. For Dave Wilson and Mitch Prosser, I am Justin Hall. We'll see you in Washington on Friday.